In northeastern Pennsylvania, there's a town called Centralia. Centralia was once a thriving coal mining community, home to thousands of people. But in May of 1962, a fire was started in a garbage dump near an open coal seam. The fire was thought to be extinguished, but actually continued underground, often releasing gas and flame to the surface above, until the town of thousands eventually dwindled to less than a dozen. The fire still rages today and shows no sign of stopping. The following podcast is in no way related to Centralia, Pennsylvania. And now... Direct from New York City, an island off the coast of America, it's the Centralia Improvisational Podcast. Hey, everybody. We're here at the podcast studio. Yeah. New York's on lockdown um, because of something called the COVID. COVID, coronavirus. Coronavirus disease. COVID is the disease you get from ah. SARS-CoV-2 mm. is the actual virus. I didn't know that. But COVID-19 mm. is the disease that you get from it. Mm. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, improv. We're all uh, improv teachers. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Patrick McCartney. Oh, hi. I'm Joy Masters. And I'm Kevin Scott. And uh, we're, uh, we're all, we all teach improv. Yeah. We all do improv. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have pre- prepared a list of questions. I prefer doing it to teaching it. But I find really? teaching it, I'm better at doing it. I Yes, I became I a much better teacher. Th- no, I became a better improviser through teaching. When I could articulate for the students what my thought process was and why I made certain choices, mm. then I was able to understand, you know, the mistakes I was making and how to, how to improve them. And I like that I can do it and then show the students what I'm trying to teach them, at least try. Mm-hmm. And also, they can say, you did what you asked us not to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I actually warned them. I was like, all right, you're going to go see some shows. And they're going to be, the improvisers are going to break a bunch of the rules that we're talking about in here. But they've earned it at this point, hopefully. But I want you to right. learn the rules first, and then you can break them. Yeah, Keith Earn. Johnstone says the rules are for beginners. Yeah. Yes. And that's my favorite rule. That's great. I, like I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah for I sure. will. I will say, though, that even it, teaching has helped me when I watch shows, and I'm like, why isn't this working? Or why is this working? And I'm like, oh, I see that now. Mm. So I'm like, I actually see things differently now that I've been teaching, too. I really love teaching, honestly. And I think um, having to be able to having to figure out how to explain something to someone has, like you said, helped me understand what I'm doing on stage a little bit better. And also knowing why certain exercises are relevant. Because mm. before, right. I would just, we would just do them in class and they're like, well, I don't know why we're doing zip sets oh, off. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know why we're doing, um, you yeah. know, what are you doing or whatever it is. Right. And now I can say, oh, there's a reason for this and I can see it. And then I can also use that to my own agenda, which is pushing positivity and trying to say yes to things oh so what so what's what's your improv agenda my improv agenda is basically to tell everybody that you can do this that you're enough that you don't have to be crazy or clever in order to be a good improviser Ah. you have to be present and you have to stop judging yourself 
which is something that I'm actually telling myself because I still judge mm-hmm. myself quite a bit when I'm doing improv. But that's my main agenda is like, don't judge yourself. Um, you're enough. Let's be positive. We don't have to go blue. We don't have to be negative to make good improv. So that's my basic agenda. Yeah. Patrick, what's your, do you have an agenda? Uh, oh, it depends. In the beginning, especially what Joy said is very close to what I want to do is just empower people to know that they're enough. And um, that you don't have to try and be funny, and that it's a wonderful way to be connected to people. Um, and then, if I'm teaching a more advanced level, I want them to be aware of patterns and the unusual thing. Like, just to just to I mean, I start to introduce that idea early but I, I expect it more in an advanced level but I find that it's it's just listening right when the unusual thing happens just grab onto it and hide it which I find is harder um, for some people and easy for others recognizing the unusual thing or jumping yes. on it uh, I think jumping on it, and I think both. I think both. Yeah, I sometimes have a take issue, not with you. Yeah, but with the idea of <laughs> right. jumping on that unusual thing. Right. Because I think for unexperienced improvisers, it tends to become who's on first. Yeah. You're crazy, and I'm sane. You know, that's like, and then just you know, patterns can help you, but if you're not, if things aren't being pushed narratively and if it isn't ultimately about exploring a relationship right through this crazy game then you're just displaying a crazy game right which is redundant repetitive and right because yeah. if you if you go at least in my mind if you go and focus on the relationship between the two people you can mine that forever there's if for people are intimate uh, intimately forever fascinating and i think like when you figure out how you feel about the other person and you and you figure out how to keep talking about that and keep going back to that, you can go forever. You can have your crazy game around it, but right. there's no depth to that. Right. But there's depth to relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with too much focus on unusual thing is it takes away from behavior. And if I th- my thing about uh, anything is like, you know, I'd rather watch people behave than be clever. I'd rather watch two people just behave as if they're in an imaginary environment and they have a real relationship um, and trust that something funny is going to happen rather than put too much focus on finding the unusual thing. So that is a little contradictory, but I do think it's important for people to, because because nerves are so um, much a part of it in the beginning, that when there's so much talking, that it, one, it, don't, it should put people out of their heads when something unusual happens. Right. But unfortunately, it does the opposite. I totally get the idea of like people want to know how to make a scene, especially early on. Yeah. And that's a great way to say, this is how you're going to do it. Right. One of you is going to do something crazy. <laughs> and the other person's going to react to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Then they, and then they get it. Yeah. I remember yeah. once very early on uh, in the New York scene back in the 90s, I was coaching a, a UCB team. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a UCB teacher. But I, I had an improv group, and someone in in their team saw my improv group. And was like, "Hey, would you coach?" 
and I did very Spolin stuff. Burn Manhattan. Was Burn Manhattan was the name of the group. And I did right. very Viola Spolin yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. which is about you know transformation, which comes from mirror, you know, reflecting. Right. And you can only which reflect. what we do in Centralia. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, you, it's all about listening, right? Observing, watching, yeah. and then reflecting that back, heightening that, and then transforming. And it's, the whole idea is to be organic. And it all comes from how children play. It's all based on, like, children playing. And I remember afterwards... Like, I don't know what conversations they had about me later, but one of the people actually said, he's like, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this, so I'm just going to stick with game. Of course. And then it wasn't until years later that I realized, oh, that's the purpose of that, was so people can figure out how to do it. I was someone who, not to say that I, I already knew how to do it, but, you know, I, I found how to do it through a different window. Right. Right, through, through a different door that was much more uh, uh, play oriented or you know am I making any sense yeah, yeah. So, diff- so you're you're more open now in the idea that someone could find their way into improv through different doors. yes exactly exactly I'm, I know yeah. it's not like I was saying my way is the only way no, but it was Viola Spolin yeah, and I was like this, this, is this is it this is it we must follow this like, is. I think I'm doing burn pivot. You are doing burn. <laughs> I'm burn pivot. Uh, you do this. This is what you do. Right. Stare at your yeah. partner for hours on end, which I can understand is uh, tedious and boring. Well, I, I can say like I started at UCB, and mm-hmm. it was hard for me. I was terribly shy, and I had a lot of stage fright and a lot of judgment, and I still do, but less. And I I couldn't I couldn't find it through game. Because that put me in my head, and right. I'm like, oh, unusual thing, like you were saying, unusual thing. I don't know what to do with it. What do I do with it? Ah. Mm-hmm. But once I started a little, working a little bit in characters, and but more with relationship, mm-hmm. that was my way in. I was yeah. like, oh, if all else fails, I'm going to focus on my scene partner and how I feel about them, and then we'll figure it out together. Yeah, and that I'm was a big kind fan of, what of whatever it up works for me. Whatever gets you in that pocket of fun with the other person. That's just another way of saying the unusual thing. As long as you're you're in it with the other person, mm-hmm. I like that. Then idea you're of in play, of, pocket of fun, right? Yeah, a little yeah, pocket of nice. fun. We're in that together. That's a game. Two people walking out on stage. Two grown up people looking each other in the eye and going, "We're gonna make stuff up together." That's a game. You're already in agreement. You're in a yeah, game. Already in agreement. I tell my students like, you're already saying yes to to put a show on, to invite an audience. To wear whatever clothes you're going to wear that night, you know you've already made you know you've already made decisions that have put you in a in a place of connection. Yeah. You don't need much more than that. I mean, you, you should don't. warm up, do some zip zaps up, <laughs> that kind of get yeah, this, connect, get, right. connect rhythmically and all that. I all remember stuff, I used to stretch before shows, and I was the only one who would do it. That's so funny. I all used to stretch guys. before shows. Yeah, that's why you everybody take thought classes? we would uh, we would work t- well yeah. together. But when <laughs> so I first worked with you, turns out no, I yeah. didn't like <laughs> mirror transformation. Now I love mirror transformation. Like yeah. that for me is the best. I mean, I think it's the purest form of improv. Uh, I, I just think it's it should be taught more. And, and when I teach. Uh, young men especially that are, were my age when I first was doing Centralia they often dislike it oh they hate it they hate it because yeah. you have to be vulnerable you have to be open it's funny I not no one does mirror tra- I shouldn't say no it's very rare yeah. what people call organic improv and I um, so I felt like in the marketplace of a teacher I have something unique in that I have years of experience right. doing it teaching it 
But mostly, last few years, I mostly teach in Europe, which is really? a right. it's a continent across the ocean. And everybody already does physical improv. It's yeah. the standard over there. Right. So mm-hmm. I actually have to teach my version of game. So sorry, let me turn that off. It's uh, Pat's pacemaker. <laughs> Joy, I noticed you have a class coming up where you're... I saw the description and it sounded... I wasn't entirely clear. It's improvisers with experience. Oh, yes. And then it, I read the description and I was like, this sounds awesome. Um, it sounded like body... A lot of body... It sounded like mirror trend. But, and then the show's going to be... T- can you tell me about it? I can tell you a little bit about it. I don't know if the class is actually happening at this point. But, oh, um, oh, because of the oh, lockdown? Because of the lockdown, right. Because yes. of COVID-19? But I'm sure it yes. will happen. No, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just... Um, we're just going to figure it out as we go. Um, what is the intention behind it? Yeah. The intention is to have improvisers with experience to find another way to improvise. That's so cool. Like how Tiger Woods had to learn how to swing differently. Apparently yeah. he had like a health... Some, I don't know what it was. His ankles hurt. Something was not right. He's the greatest golfer in the history of the game. Yeah. And had to relearn how to swing golf. And it took him a while. He also had personal problems. It might have affected him mentally. But he's back to being the best in the game again. After like 10 years of not being the best. Yeah. I mean, you can reinter- maze, maze reinvent balls. yourself. Every, I mean, that's proof of that. Oh, yeah. I think I'm a better improviser now than I was when... I was a younger improviser. Why do you think that is? I think I just listen. And I think that's the key. I think I like it. I think I'm less concerned about whether or not um, the audience thinks I'm funny. Mm. Wow. I'll get there someday. <laughs> Sometimes, I know. It's, I've been doing it so long. I've done so many shows that like... It ebbs and flows, but it's really hard for me not to want to entertain the audience. Yeah. And I know they'll be entertained by great acting. But at the moment I get that first laugh, I'm like, oh, man, I feel so good. I, I mean, I'm the yeah. same. I had that discussion uh, with Shira when I was doing my one-person show. Shira Piven? Yeah. Daughter of Burn Piven. Right. Bring it back to the Pivens <laughs> who were teaching spy, Spole and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember it was a very serious subject matter, but I wanted to make it funny. And if it was the first thing I'd done that I think I didn't have, the audience was confused about whether or not to laugh, but I needed that laugh. I needed it. And it felt almost like an addiction unto itself. Mm -hmm. It was like, this show's not going well if I don't get the laugh. And uh, yeah. It's the same in improv. It's like, it's like just trusting. It, it like you know, one of our colleagues, Matt, loves to talk about the idea of the mundane, starting things in the mundane, and we're all in agreement. We should do that, but I think it's still scary for us. Invariably, every one of our shows starts with something insane happening. Yes. <laughs> it's it's part of our brand, you know. It's part of our thing. And, yeah. But I, I see it. I feel it. Like we're, we we start with, that's the danger of mirror transformation is it yeah. can get very precious. Mm. And we start in sort of, not necessarily mirror transformation, but a, a version of it. It's not yeah. strict mirror. It's right. loose mirror. We're sort of all in the same physical energy space, if you right. will. Mm-hmm. Right. And then inver- invariably one of us panics 
and we'll do something insane. Like, I oh, know. you opened a portal to another dimension in our refrigerator. <laughs> it's definitely the hardest part. I'll, we're gonna, we got to let Joy talk, but I just no, want to say I'm one last happy. thing about mirror transformation. It is that when I teach it, it's the hardest thing to be like, okay, we're going to live in the mirror for a while, and we're just going to allow it to transform into something else before I go ahead and label what this has to be right now, right? Yeah. And then to really trust that even if it's going to be both of us oh looking at a flower which instantly i don't want to do that i don't want to do the flower thing but someone's going to say it and we're in it to be like yes we're looking at a flower together uh it's a tricky thing to go past not only just past that once the first thing comes to mind in the transformation to allow ourselves to go past that and then to really genuinely be drop into a scene that's unexpected because we want to label. Right, right, right. Well, that's again, it's Poland. It's the it's discovery, not discovery, not decisions. Right. Discover it. Oh, don't write, don't write, don't write, don't oh, yeah, write. That should be a surprise. Do you uh, do you have experience in this uh, no. realm? No, just from watching you guys. Other than that, no. For for like mirror transformation mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. that, no. I mean, you coached what one of you, my teams for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's true. I made you do it. Yeah. We but didn't do a whole, whole lot time, of it, though. But I'd, I'd be curious to do more because it is kind of scary. It's that idea, like that idea of organic. I always hated organic openings to things. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this is weird and touchy-feely. It's and like, yeah. dumb. It's very hippie. Yeah. yeah. Like, arty. oh, it's all it mowing together. Yeah. I think one reason we were wonderful. always. You guys are wonderful. We always made it work because Funny. we didn't have to do it. You know what I mean? We're like was a choice to do to do that kind of work we're funny enough and smart enough that you know matt higgins could just do 10 minutes of material to open the show yeah. that would kill and so we're yeah. like we don't we don't have to do it so it becomes a choice yeah yeah it, i tried to i actually recommend your show to all of my classes there's you and the baldwins are the top two that mm-hmm. i recommend and i was like i don't know exactly how to explain centralia to you guys but it's it's organic it's mind-blowing you should just go and watch it just they're all like legends of improv just if you can see one show go see theirs and it's it's just something it shows i think it would show them what it shows me anyway is that there's a freedom in what you do and there's such a connection between the four of you that you you go in from scene to scene and then you come back and you repeat those Mm -hmm. and you just know like instantly where everybody is because you're so in tune with each other and that you're so at least from the audience and you're so present and that's one of the things i'm trying to tell my guys is like if you're present that's that's the where you need to start if you know where you are and you're in tune with each other you can do anything it's so funny because yes i would agree i feel similar to our show when i'm in it when something comes back and it's like oh of course we're here it's the of, co- yeah. of course we're here right but it does not translate into my life no yeah so that's my question how now do you mean? How, how do you mean yeah. being in the moment being present ah. i so much want to i used to live near ram das you guys know who he is oh yeah uh, recently deceased you recently oh. deceased um be here now be here now was a book and a, and oh, a okay. statement he was uh you know a, what do you call him philosopher thinker spiritual guide yes he was one of the Early experimenters with LSD with Tim Leary. Mm-hmm. He was of that crowd. Wow. Okay. His, his name he got was given the name Ram Das. He was like a Harvard guy. By Tim Leary, yeah. And was Ram Das. And so, but he he lived in Hawaii, and he was a neighbor of mine. But I was not into it. 
I wouldn't like a lot of people move there to like be near Ram Dass and yeah. be like, I was hanging with Ram Dass. And we used to do, we were doing improv shows at the Temple of Peace, which was founded just to be near him, which was like a wow, very wow. new agey churchy thing. Yeah. We would, they, you know, we used the space on Saturday nights to do <laughs> short form improv. So you're short. like, I will not adhere to his philosophies. I'm or... not, I'm not going to buy into it. But that said, I totally, I wish I could be more present and open and be in the moment. Yeah. It takes practice in my life, but I can do it in improv. Well, if you can do it in improv, you can do it in real life. And this is because it's interesting because a lot of people that take because I do a lot of level zeros, um, and a lot of people do it to be more present and to um, not judge themselves or anxiety or all that kind of stuff. And they're like, "Oh, this is really great for my real life." I started using this at work. I started doing this um, in my social blah blah blahs, and I was like, "That's great." And I started thinking, "I was like, am I doing that? I don't think I'm doing that." Mm. So. And I am a new, a newer, much newer teacher than you guys. But I started going, okay, if there is at least one moment in a day or a week or whatever you want to set yourself that I'm just, and when I start to feel anxiety and start to feel my brain go somewhere else, I'm like, oh, wait, pretend you're in an improv scene and you need to respond to what this person mm-hmm. just said. Right. And I, it's, it's starting to work. I'm That's starting, good. it's, it's slow. It's very slow because I have a lot of anxiety, like a lot of us do. Oh my God. And a lot of self-judgment. And it's so I'm trying like little bit by little bit to get closer to what I want to be. It's good. It's good to have goals. So I'm Couldn't saying like you can do it. Oh yeah. If yeah, you can yeah. do it on stage the way that you do it on stage, you can take that into real life. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I guess no. I I I'm not trying to discount what you just said. Yes, I'll get there. <laughs> I'll get. I'll get there. I'll get there. But it, I takes, actually, it takes practice. Yeah. Knowing you have seen that in you. Yeah. Yeah. The the anxiety. <laughs> no, the change. <laughs> I deal with it too. I mean, I deal with it too, and I have to remind myself all the time. But I think that's the one thing that most when people I see it in get from else. improv that's of value in life. Yeah. I know some people, it's like it's a fun thing, and I get social, and I meet people, and I meet my. I met my spouse through improv. Me too. Um, but that's not the. That's not the most valuable thing. She's very valuable. The most <laughs> valuable thing I think that improv teaches to most people is the listening being present, saying yes, right? Saying yes. I've right. told myself to say yes, even though I'm terrified. You know, it's that I'm not instinctively saying yes. To, like just going on a second or third date with the woman I ended up marrying, having yeah. a child with her, things like that. It's just sort of like, I had to tell myself, just say yes, which I have no problem doing on stage, but in life, it's like, right. <laughs> See, yeah. I might be eaten. There might be a monster <laughs> under the bed. I don't know. Hey, but you said yes to the big things. I did. I did, and I literally told myself, "Just say yes. Just see what happens. Yeah. It's an adventure." Just do that. Moment. I was mature enough then, at that <laughs> point. Yeah, you know, much younger me couldn't have done it. Oh yeah. Otherwise, I would have done thing. it. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Any other improv lessons? I'm always concerned when the student says, "I want to think faster on my feet." Mm. Well, I I think that that's just a for me when I hear that it's a judgment thing. And that's why, like, in my classes, I don't let anybody say they're sorry. It, it becomes a joke, but at the same time, it starts in the idea of when you say you're sorry for whatever it is that you did, you're judging what you did. Yeah. So if you can start by taking that judgment away, that's what's going to help you think quicker on your feet because you already have the thought there. Totally. You're just exactly. stopping yeah, yourself yeah, yeah, from yeah. saying it. That's what yeah. it is. They're so already, think, they're already thinking it. They yeah. just have to say it. Yeah, they're already yeah. there. They already have everything they need. Remember? Right. That's what we're talking. It's true. Yeah. That's the same thing with the thinking quicker on your feet. It's just letting the words come out of your I'm mouth. I'm working on this with my daughter. 
My daughter, she's 11. <laughs> yeah. And Blaney. she I think she's really smart and really funny. She is. And a lot of times I see her not saying the thing I know she wants to say. I don't mm. know how to get her to do it, but I can see it. And sometimes I'm like, I know that's going to be brilliant, but she's afraid of it. Yeah. Or or even if it's just like we're in a store and I'm like, is there something is there something we should get before we leave the store? It's like, do you want the dried apricots or not? Just say the thing. Just say the thing that's in your head. Say the yeah. thing. Well, that leads to third thought. Third thought improv, which A is the idea. Which is don't say the first thing. Which is, <laughs> I like to describe it as like um, reminding myself what was said, what did they mean by what they said, and how does it make me feel. And then if I can practice that, I can say the, th sometimes, yeah, I'm just going to say the thing. But sometimes if I practice that I can hear with my whole body and invest myself in progressing the scene and the relationship a little and to be able to breathe and relax and silence in improv are things that are not necessarily encouraged um, especially in like a tag out heavy jam culture. Oh, there's this phrase I hear a lot, you know, attack the scene. Attack, attack the it. scene. I'm just like, oh God, not every scene needs to be attacked. No, yes, that's very just common. Just let it happen. Just be there now. I Right. Ram Dass. And let it happen. <laughs> I think let there's it. a, it's, it's like an evolution. Like sometimes people need to be taught commitment, which means attack. I think, you know, there needs to be I, I find that when I'm doing too much be here now sort of work, I need to remind myself and my students to commit more to the scene. Like, mm -hmm. hold on to your deal. Mm -hmm. You don't always have to let it go. You can hold on to that deal that you had at the beginning and, and really hold on to that. And then there's the, when am I going to bend and adjust and and allow myself to live in that place where I'm, transforming within the scene yeah the thing I teach most because I go to Europe mm. and they don't need my physical shtick because they have it better they have somebody is I teach like s structure scene yes storytelling structure scenic structure right comedic structures mm -hmm. like what are the you know 19 different comedy structures that have been done for a thousand years and just put names to it so people know instinctively and I'm often afraid because we always say, don't be in your head, be in the moment. I'm often afraid that like it's going to ruin improv for people because it's very heady, it's very thinky. But it works, like as an improviser, it totally works for me. I'm much more comfortable reminding myself the five beats of a scene. Right. We probably did this when I coached your group. Yeah. We probably did some of it. Yeah, and I got in my head. Yeah, and you probably got <laughs> into your head. That's yeah. I'm always yeah. worried. Like, oh, you know, when, when is the best time to like introduce that stuff is my question. I wonder, because I think, like, again, for me, it's going back to the relationship. And once there's a form put on it, like Harold, I, I start to freak out. I was like, ah, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. If I could just be in the moment and figure it out from there, it feels better. But I feel like if it's something that we could talk about after we do a bunch of scenes and say, this is how that form applied. You're like, oh, I already did it. Didn't have to think about it. Now I understand what it feels like because I've already gone through it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that sounds. No, that makes sense. I do. Yeah. I do give that disclaimer to all my students when I'm teaching this stuff. Is like this is not what you're thinking about during the show. This is so you have a common language to discuss afterwards. 
Right, it's cool. like acting work. It's like breaking down the scene, the objective. Exactly. Breaking down the scene even deeper, doing substitution work. Like um, <clears throat> the old argument against substitution work is I don't want to be thinking about my dead grandmother while I'm playing this scene. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to, you know, you do the work and then you play the scene. You forget about the work. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Yeah. So whatever gets you there, I think it primarily in improv, it's like when am I in that pocket of fun with the other person? And when am I, uh, for me now, it's like, when am I getting that other person to break? <laughs> like, that is, for me, everything. If I can achieve that, then I know I'm in play, and I know that we are in total agreement, and we are going to have fun. And that, as a player, is all that matters to me right now. I don't really care about doing the cleanest, yeah. best improv. I just want to have fun with smart people that are going to be in agreement that we're going to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, long, I a long time ago, gave up, uh, not 100%, but I mostly gave up the desire for the perfect set. Yeah. Because I've had some pretty great ones, but none, none were ever perfect. But once you have that desire, you never can achieve it. Never it's can. Like, and I know. I know. It's yeah. very frustrating. But I still would like, if we had an amazing set, I would still be like, I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try not to make it a goal. I don't know. We our last show, we were all sort of walked off stage, going, "Huh, that was weird." But I heard from a lot of people that they loved the set. Yeah. But it was very surreal and it was very on brand. Cause yeah. We tend to be spacey. Mm -hmm. Oh, the last set. I wasn't there for the last set. That's why it was a mess. <laughs> that was, that was, it was so very good. dreamy, surreal, weird. Right from the get go weirdness oh, which some people just love yeah you know we're like the grateful dead of improv it's pretty mm. good you never go away <laughs> just. John Mayer is going to join the group oh god uh, the set before that which I did was fun and I think it was pretty weird I know I broke the, almost the whole set but I, I loved every second of it well, by your own rules, then that was a successful set. Yes, for sure. I, just, I sometimes feel self-indulgent doing it because I'm laughing. I'm just enjoying. I'm having such a good time. Yeah. I feel like when you let the audience watch us have a good time, I'm like, is that yeah. good for them? Yes. Yeah. I, I always say, too, like, if you if you can make your, again, to my little zero, guys, if you can make your scene partner laugh, if they're laughing, then it means you're having a good time. We're going to be having a good time. It, not that you have to make someone break Always. for this audience to have a good time, but yeah. if I see someone having fun, I can't help but have fun. Yes. And if you, I see someone break on stage, I love it. That's good. Okay. Really if good it's genuine, I it's feel genuine. like yeah. it's, it's... Yeah, if you're faking it, then I'm like, fuck you. Oops. Yeah. Can I swear? Yeah, I just did. No, you can't swear. <laughs> we're sponsored by... Uh, we're sponsored. Today we're sponsored by... PG-13. PG-13. Dove Soap. Dove soap. If you're forced to wash your hands a hundred times a day, you might as well use Dove. Dove. It's got moisturizers. Dove soap. Your grandmother used it. Your grandmother. <laughs> used it. I don't it was know good that, for her. That's a selling point. Oh. Okay, boomer. She lived a long time. Oh. There's probably some still left in the soap dish. So, uh, Joy, <laughs> let me ask you this question about house teams because oh, okay, yeah. my yes. experience, as a similar to Pat's, I believe, is that I've been on the same team for a thousand years. Yeah. That's nice. Since I moved to New York in 1990-something. Yeah. What's it like? Do you like 
how how you've been on teams you're on house teams yes and you get traded around yes is it fun to like mix it up all the time is no. it i don't i don't enjoy it i i do enjoy it if it's stale and it needs to be changed up there was one house team not at one of the theaters that i was at that i was on for three months or three months three seasons and it was really good to stay with the same team. it was the only time i've been on a house team for more than one season and it was really nice to be able to build something and build momentum and get to know each other because a lot of times the first six months that you're on a team you're just trying to figure it out you're trying to figure out each other you're trying mm -hmm. to figure out the form you're trying to figure out the theater how everything works if you've got a right the right coach uh, all of that and um by the second season i feel like that's when you're you're starting to cook you know unless mm -hmm. unless you're one of the lucky teams that just clicks right away like right right right. i imagine that happens so being but moved rarely. around a lot it's it's kind of hard yeah and it maybe because none of the teams super duper clicked right away so what, so what do you tell what do you tell yourself when you're about to do a a, a set with a, the team and, and it has it isn't clicking i try well what i tell myself is try to be present try to say go into this with an open heart and receive what they're giving and try to return that to them and not judge myself or them do you ever try to just kill using this the skills like the characters or the bits you've done in the past you ever just sort no, of like i don't really have any um i do have i guess it's um not characters but like archetypes is that the word yeah mm -hmm. sort of that i tend yeah. to do i would i i do tend to go into like the, what, 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 i do tend to like if it's physical i'm, I'm always hunched over and a little gargoyle gargoyle kind of person and i'm like i'm like the igor to anybody's bad mm -hmm. scientist kind of person uh, i don't mean to but i tend to fall into that a yeah, lot right. i do have fun there because i know yeah i know how to play that i try not to do that if i can i try to see what they're doing and what either mirror them i love mirroring people like doing what they're doing and just yeah mm -hmm. like oh two peas in a pod one of my favorite places to be if not the igor to their mad scientist but which I, is a form of mirror i would call that mirror compliment well that yeah that's mm -hmm. true yes we did we did go over that when you coached us and i think that um i try to do that or see how they play. Like the, the most recent team I'm on, when we first got together, there was a lot of tag outs. It was fast. Mm. And I'm not comfortable with that. And I was like, mm. oh, this is bad. I can't do this. This is terrible. And then I was like, wait, you want to get better at this. Why mm -hmm. don't you just lean mm -hmm. into it and jump out there and start tagging? I remember being terrified when I first started playing with uh, BBC, oh, which yeah. is a big black car. Mm. And they, very talented team, one of the best ever. And, uh, when they would get into what I called tag out fever, mm. it was terrifying because yeah. they were going so fast. And it was just a different way of playing. You know, they're playing sort of externally and like, what's the, what's the next, what's the next, what's the next? Terrifying. Yeah. I eventually yeah. figured out how to find my place within that. When I played with uh, Beer Shark yeah, Mice in is. LA, uh, there were sets. You had to get in because that whole thing was super fast, super fast. So fast that if you didn't jump on early, you're off. Who is in Beer Shark Mice? I, this name, I'm like, I know Beer Shark Mice. It was me, Dave Keckner, Neil Flynn, Mike Coleman, Pete Holmey, and Pat Finn. Jeez. That was the original Beer Shark Mice. Now it's um, all those people except Paul Valancourt stepped in and they still do shows they're still very popular yeah i left la uh to come back to new york 
but I was on the original Beer Shark Mike. I'm, I'm a I'm a, I'm an original member of a lot of really good teams. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it was including so, Centralia, including mm. Centralia, uh, which I'm now back on. Centralia is my jam, for sure. Uh, but but it was so fast. I remember some shows being in it, and then some shows being fuck. I missed. Uh, I missed the first three scenes. <laughs> Hold on, let me. And now let me, I'm gonna be maybe, on the side. Let me bleep that out. Welcome back to the podcast. We're talking about beer, sharks, beer, and mice. shark, mice. But I was like, I, I just kind of want to be standing on the sides for the whole set. And what, because, uh, you know, and that would happen some nights. And I'd be like, oh, well, this is, I missed the train at the beginning. Yeah. I told myself to be the first person out yeah. because I there was too many nights where I stood there watching things happen. Yeah. And yeah. when I started to do stuff that wasn't in from my group, you know, like my group. We had our thing, and then when I started to get into the wider world, yeah. when the improv theater started to come in New York, I was like, I want to be around it. I want to be. I had to be the one to take the suggestion, or to use the suggestion first. Yeah, I I did that a lot with the new teams, and not knowing like where I fit in it, I would like, all right, I'll just step out first, mm-hmm. and then I was like, you can't you can't do that because I would step out first, and then I Every wouldn't time. be in, but then I wouldn't be in the rest of the not show. Be the rest of the yeah. set. I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I would step back. Yeah. Well, so at I least if it was like some, a loose herald or something heraldy, I had to come back at least two more times. That's true. So I was like, okay. I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, in a herald, if I'm playing with like the Baldwins, I need to get in that first scene. I got to get in there. I got to get in there. Yeah. You got to do it. I still do it. it. I still want to be guesting or, or whatever. Yeah. I do these shows. I go to Europe. And I do these you're jams. Big in Europe. I'm big in Europe. I've heard you're big there. Uh, I do these jams with these international players who all have different styles and different things. Right. And I can tell you, nothing gives me more anxiety because they're always. It's usually festivals, and it's usually a ton of people, 900 right. people, right. you know, like these big, crazy, and just being nervous, like real anxiety, and and just feeling. But the moment I get my first laugh, I'm like, Whew. yeah, right. Ah, oh, it's so weird. Yeah, and I know that you know sometimes, and then to kill, you know, to kill yeah. later. Well, you know, usually it's it's all improv teachers. I'm usually only in the teacher shows, right? International teachers who are all very good and all know how to support. And it's like it's you know it's a jam. I mean, it's not like a new team, right? It's different. It's a jam. It's only going to happen once, so everyone's on their best behavior, and you don't have to worry about people's bad habits because there isn't enough time to learn them. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know. There isn't enough time to resent that one. Yeah, person. and my my bad habits included, you know. Yeah, playing this. Two what characters would you say your worst experience improvises? Honestly, the, yeah. the one I can go to is, uh, and this is this is professional as well as uh, artistic. Was yeah. we were in consideration to do a television program, Centralia. Yep, to be uh, produced by Adam McKay. Directed yeah. by Shira Piven, wow. executive produced by Lorne Michaels, wow. and the people from Lorne Michaels' company, Lorne wasn't there, but a bunch of other people were in the house, and we were at the House of Candles. I was not there. You were not there. This was the Burn Manhattan. Ah. And uh, yeah, so we were like, "Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen." We were. The phone call came in. Not there. Was, it's like the phone call came in. You're getting a TV show, and here's how. Well, this is the show, and the plan was already made up. And wow. So we're like, it's going to happen. So, but they, the executives came 
It was Broadway video people. But he was, at that time, I don't know what happened to this, but they took over a TV channel that was, it was in colleges. Yeah. And then they were taking that to cable. So they were expanding this, keeping the same demographic of college age people, but it's going to be on cable everywhere. Right. And they're, Lauren had the reruns of uh, Kids in the Hall. They're like, what else can we get? Is there a new Kids in the Hall? And we weren't writing sketches. We were doing improv. So we were good. Anyway, <laughs> point is, we had the worst show of our lives. It was terrible. Talk mm. about bad habits. We're all doing our bad habits. You know, one guy in the group would just get angry if a set didn't start firecrackers. Mm. And we had one guy who's like, I can save any set and would just <laughs> take over. <laughs> And, you know, we, we weren't experienced. I can save any set. Yeah, we weren't experienced enough yet that our worst show was still a very good show. Our worst show would be terrible. It proved we were improvisers. But, I mean, it was crash. It was silent in this theater. Oh. Silent. And everyone's sweating and just couldn't. Oh. All our bad habits, right? I'm sure I was just making terrible jokes and laughing at them and being the only person <laughs> laughing. I guarantee that's what I was doing. So I bit him. <laughs> that's not my dog you know just the worst shtick wow and at one point someone kicked over a bottle uh oh in the audience and oh. you just heard the bottle like clink 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 roll 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 and it was the only sound in the theater oh my god I was just sort of like oh god oh, it's not so gonna happen <laughs> like not only are you not gonna do a good show like Lauren Michaels people are gonna leave and never call us again yeah. which is exactly what happened uh, I'm not oh. saying that show tanked it I'm sure there's a lot of internal politics whatever the show yeah. didn't help. This this particular show, and it had been weeks or months of like buildup of like, it's going to have meetings at their place and everything's excited. And people, like individuals from them would come see the show and rave about it. Yeah. But when they all came together, it's just like, there's too much pressure for us, I guess. We yeah. weren't ready. And also, you can't bottle improv like that. Like, you can't say to somebody, you should have seen last week's show. It was amazing. You know, it's yeah. like. Well, that's the way, that's the way improv works. Yeah, so anyone else oh, yeah. have a terrible improv experience? Yeah, Joy, what's your worst? Oh, Lord. Um, well, overall, I was on a team that I liked half of them a lot, and the other half did not want to be on stage. Like, some of them didn't want to be on stage, and then after a show, they would criticize the set. And we're like, you didn't even step on stage. How can you criticize? And they're like, well, I just didn't feel like there was a spot for me. So at one point, we literally pulled this one person up on stage and made them do a poem as a cow i think it was but they just they just weren't into it they didn't say yes to it they were mad at us they were mad at us the whole season and um it just made it engendered bitterness through all of us and there were a couple other people that would go on stage but wouldn't listen to anybody wouldn't make space for anybody so we had one person that wouldn't go on stage and criticize two other people that would be on stage all the time and not listen to anybody but then think it was a great set afterwards and the rest of us that were like, oh, what the hell is going on? We, it would just, we were just bitter the whole time, and we were so relieved when we weren't renewed oh, God. after that season. I think that was probably the worst, the worst part. There was another team where we had a bunch of problems with um, men talking over women, but we sorted that out, and now that doesn't happen anymore, ever. Just kidding. But they, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was right right in that Me Too movement kind of thing, and just just before it sort of blew up, I think a little bit. Where we would, a woman would, during a show, a woman would get one line out, her scene partner would get half a line, and then someone would do a walk-on. A man would do a walk-on. And then wow. tag out from there. <laughs> like, and you would just see her face, I just remember this specifically this one scene, I see her face just get 
redder and madder and more mad, and then we had to have a talk with the team. Oh my god! But did they get it when you had the talk? Some of them did. Some of them. Yeah, didn't. I mean, for I, not to make this about me too, all of a sudden, but like, I, and not to say that's other people's responsibility to teach me, but like the oh, the conversations about this stuff opened my eyes in so many ways, and I, I hope I'm a better player. It's tough for us because we're pretty much an all male troop. We have like female guests from time to time, but so, so we kind of a we dodged a bullet there. <laughs> You know what I mean? We never Ooh. got called out for... put, But also, like, if we don't have women in the group, what does that even say? Pat's shaking his head, like, don't go don't go down this road. Well, I don't I Don't, don't go down this road. I don't think you have to put a woman on the team just to say, hey, we're not jerks. It's just, your team is right. your team. Right. I've think... tried over the years. We've brought people in, and, like, for whatever reason, it, it doesn't doesn't work out. Well, it's just because you guys have that... You have the chemistry that you have. It. I don't think that... that I don't think that says anything about you as humans no but i think about it a lot i think <laughs> well about of course it. you know I mean? it's it, it's something to examine yes. and i think like when you said did the guys get it when we spoke to them some of them did and some of them didn't some of them didn't even realize they were doing it so i think like i don't think it's in the forefront of everybody's mind like oh i'm gonna this woman is talking and clearly because she's a woman doesn't know she doesn't know what she's talking about i have something better it's just natural sometimes right because right. it's yeah we're society. unaware of our own biases i'm yeah. not gonna get too political but elizabeth warren should be president and she isn't because of unconscious bias. Well, I think that was hundred percent for Hillary as well, and for Hillary as well, for Hillary as well. I mean, Hillary also had the added factor of her husband's troubled past. Yes, yeah, she had a lot of stuff going against her, and she didn't leave. I don't know. Well, she's very accomplished or whatever, but I think not to say that you should. You know, there's plenty of sexism involved in Hillary. Yeah. What's your well. best? <laughs> Thank you for steering it back to improv. <laughs> I can save the set. Honestly, Ooh. not only is it coronavirus time and we have a terrible president, but I'm heartbroken about Elizabeth Warren not getting to fix our country. Yeah. And I just had to say it. It's I hear you. Very tragic. I'm very worried about sure, what's going to happen. Disagree. I'm very worried about what's going to happen. So I'm best, excited for tonight. Best improv? However, see what happens. Oh, there's a debate me. tonight. Yeah. Oh. Not your... Those of you listening to this are probably listening to it months in the future. There was a debate that was, you know, in the past what happened, right, and how it changed everything. Hopefully mm. for the better. We don't know because it know. hasn't happened for no. us yet. No. So best improv experience? Yeah. Wait, what was your worst? Did you say your worst? My worst. I was thinking. I I I I had a few self sabotage shows early when agents would come. Um, I remember at I.O. a few, but I distinctly remember a set at Second City when I was understudying Pinata Full of Bees. <laughs> and we did the improv set afterwards, and I think, yeah, I mean, it, it ultimately that was all self-sabotage in retrospect and insecurity and fear of how does this work when I would have bad sets, because always the pattern was when I didn't care, I would have good sets. When I cared, I would have bad sets when I was in my 20s. And it would screw me up for days. Um, I remember one set at Second City where somebody made me John Travolta. And I tried to do an impression of him, but it was bad and it wasn't working. And then I felt like I was in it for an incredible, incredibly long time and I could not find anything funny about it but did you commit to the 
to I the think I was like half committed. Okay. I wasn't even fully committed. I think I got judgmental about it. I think I was like, I think in the beginning of, of the, the impression, I was like, that doesn't sound like him. And then the next thought was like, I don't know how to do him. And then by that point, I was like, I don't want to do this impression. And then it was like, oh shit, I'm in the impression, but I don't know what I'm doing. And that's the dialogue I'm having in my yeah. head. Meanwhile, not listening to anything around me because I'm totally self-sabotaging myself. I remember that because there was a girlfriend in the audience. It was when I was like, only as good in my relationships as I was on stage which was a, a whole very, nother sounds very familiar pattern of behavior that I became aware of. Um, yep. Once you let that, all that stuff go, it seems like it's easier to have less bad sets. But those were definitely my patterns, especially, you know, when I remember another one at IO when I was like on a very good streak. This was the early family. It was called the Victims Family. Mm -hmm. And then one night... John Favreau. Big shot. No, no. Favreau was on um, a group called Corky's Callback. Oh, okay. They would open for... So who was victims. on Victims Family? Victims Family so was me. So he opened for Victims Family. Me, Adam, well. Rick Roman, mm -hmm. he rest in peace, Alex Bays, Miles oh Strock. And then we yeah. had um, a woman named Michelle... Um, so it was me, Rick, Adam, I'm, Miles. I saw you guys. And then Noah was with us for a while. And this guy, Matt, was with us in the beginning. And then it evolved into the family. I left to do plays. But I just also was like, always like, I can't, I don't know how to improvise. But I would always go up to Sharn and be like, you know what? I figured it out. I want to come back. And then I would come back and then I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I would come back into Dell's class and be like, I, I got this. I want to do this. And then I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. What, I, I'm going to go do a play. And then the minute I would do a play, I'd be like, I got to improvise again. So it took me a while to get comfortable as an improviser. It was super scary. I mean, my whole, I moved to Chicago when I was 18. And I was put on house team when I was 21 or 20. So I was scared almost always. And then, you know, that doesn't help. Yeah, Only yeah. now am I... Anyway, so yeah, I had a few. But I remember the Second City one specifically after after understudying for Pinata. All right, be well, best, best improv moments. You start. Oh, boy. I got a couple, I think. Um, I'm trying to think of the exact... There was, one, there was a couple of shows at the Old Pit, which is now the Pit Loft, and I and feeling you, know, I had gone from feeling like an interloper because I was doing spol and stuff with my groups to then joining this, you know. And the pit was sort of an offshoot of UCB, you know, right. unofficially, but and it, this similar culture and similar style, and a lot of people are just really fast and funny and feeling like you know I'm an artist. Right. That lamp's unplugged, Pat. Oh, you're not. Okay. It's not going to turn on because I'm plugged to do this. Okay. And those of you wondering what that hissing sound in the background is a New York City radiator. Yeah. So, me, um, so yeah, but feeling like when I got some big laughs, there's a couple, a couple of them, but they're all kind of the same. One, there was people on the ground 
in some weird thing and both Ollie and I came on the stage at the same time but from different places and said the exact same line Whoa. which was like have you ever seen a crime scene this grisly which was a very Whoa. specific line to say simultaneous wow. and the house blew up that was that's one amazing. that's fun and then there was another it was Kimmy Gatewood and Rebecca Johnson who are now on uh, Glow oh yeah this oh the show was yeah. called The Faculty is with she, all the teachers <clears throat> yeah is she uh, in the movie the Damon Lindenoff movie about the the shooting, the people that the hunt. Oh, I don't know, Kimmy or, or Rebecca. You mean it might be in it? Yeah, I don't know. One of them might be. It looks amazing. They're this both movie. very good. I want to see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, what's his name directed that. Um, oh no, is she one of the leads on Glow? Yeah, they're they're both in Glow. They're okay. both uh, they're, All right. they, they Sorry, play the so Anyway, yeah. And they were doing some weird dance, and I came in and and. I, I, I might curse. Let me see if I can block it's it out. Right. Uh, I came in and was like, what the f*** is going on in here? <laughs> like with a southern accent. And for some reason, the audience went nuts. Yeah. That was a highlight. But probably my favorite improv moment is the Pat's first show back with Centralia. Yeah. Oh. On um, the striker? Uh, no, the first Centralia back I was on the, was on the, was on the love stage. Was I? Because uh, our first show back together was BBC, but yeah. the first Centralia show you did. Yeah. With all with all four of us. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. It was a good show, but it was also good to have. Pat what did you like about? Um, I just felt like we were doing improv for a different reason other than hey, let's show off. Nice. You know what I mean? It's like we're brothers. We're we're back together, and it, it called back to when we had started the group, and you know, it just felt good to like, oh, we're still doing this. It's almost like you were doing it for each other. We're doing it for each other. We're yeah. doing it for each other. It was good to have Pat back because really he, nice. go- he was gone for a while. And uh, yeah. you know, we started the group with him. And it, it was a chemistry we had when we first started because Centralia came out of Burn Manhattan. We lost two members and we're like, Pat can replace both of them. And he did. And then it was the three of us. And we were very, you know, we were, we were good. But there was al- always felt like something was missing for like 15 years. Wow. That's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Gonna make me cry. And they came Aww. back, and I was like, "Boom, we're back," and the magic's back. You know, that's it's, nice. it's the that's right, a good feeling. right chemistry. Because cool. we're, we're earth, wind, fire, and air. Yeah, and we were ju- we were just earth, wind, and fire, which <laughs> never works. You need air to feed the fire. Do you remember? Or the wind. Yeah, this September. Your best joy. Oh, okay. I have a few. I have a few. Yeah. And I realize now that those moments are. Sometimes when I was doing something that I was normal, I'm afraid of. Usually I don't do walk-ons or tackouts or any of that kind of stuff because I'm like, I can't add to this. But one of the moments was um, when it was um, not a living room. It was one of like the um, Jason Scott Quinn shows. Like a meanwhile. The, yes. Something like that. I can't remember exactly which one, but it had really awesome people. They were Claire, um, Claire Yell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's good. Um, Jenny Borellis. Oh my God, I the best! Have a huge improv crush on, mm. and ugh. and uh, I think Kevin McNair was there, mm-hmm. and Rachel Shear, probably Jeff Shear, and a couple other people. And they were, I think Claire and Jenny were doing. They were doing a little scene. It was like they were at park, and mm. they were enjoying the park. And then Kevin McNair was a duck in the pond. That makes sense, of course. And then more people came, and they were like really close to each other, and that was kind of like normal for them 
in in the scene and everybody was just super close and there was probably like six or seven but i think ron hill was there all super close and how close they were and talking to each other they're all strangers and it was like funny how they're close and then i was like well they're really into this duck and i i i did a walk on as a big hawk and i took kevin mcnair (laughs) away and the way that they responded it was so wonderful because they're like ah and all, like collectively they cried together and they were so upset about the duck being gone and even though i was just a tiny part of it just watching them react so wonderfully and so truthfully to their characters with each other and what they had set up it was it was beautiful to watch awesome. and i was so happy to just like be ron hill is quite i've had some good scenes with ron oh yeah he's a great improviser he really is yeah he is and there was another one i did it was another probably jason scott quinn show um, oh no, it was a faculty. Oops, I almost ripped myself out. It was a faculty thing, and I think it was just a little thing that I had with Langston, mm. and um, it was mostly him, and I was just trying to keep up. But we had like a, a buddy cop sort of mm-hmm. relationship, and I, I would do like I did a, a sort of a walk on, but from off stage as like on the walkie talkie kind of thing, and yeah. it was just a couple of things, and it just felt so good to be yesed and to be um, accepted, and I, I feel I felt like it just made it easy. Yeah, it was so. It's such a good feeling when it's someone is there and present for you and accepting of you and not you don't feel judged at all. Yeah, anyway, yeah. and even though I know that he's like that top tier, <laughs> top yeah, shelf top guy, shelf. and shelf. I'm somewhere else, it's uh, it was just it felt. I didn't feel like I was somewhere else. I felt like he brought me up to his level. It was really nice. That's cool. Yeah, it was really really cool. It's awesome. All right, we'll stop there. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Kevin Scott, Pat McCartney, Joy Masters. We'll see you next time on The Lockdown. <laughs> what are we called? What is this podcast? Quarant- Quarantinas. This is The Quarantinas. Thanks for listening to The Quarantine Podcast, where we talk about improv and do some improv, and the music's over. This announcement has gotten awkward. Oh, boy. Now, I had more to say, but without the music, it just doesn't... Play it again. You can play doesn't it have the same. Well, then that's just it's ridiculous to you start do the one music. Of those wacky sounds. I got this sound. <laughs> oh God. Oh, it's, actually, I have to have this following me around wherever I go. Because I love the jokes. So I bit him. <laughs> so I. Bit that's him. not my dog. <laughs> I'm a fun guy. Do I have any more punchlines? Do I have another one? I want to know the setup for that. Have you ever seen a crime scene so grisly? You ever seen a crime scene so grisly? Do audience laugh. Oh, sorry. We're out of time. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming to the podcast, everybody. We appreciate you listening in. See you next time.